0: Neil McCready, and Martin Palomo.
1: Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready. Uh, today we'll be joined by Pinnacle Trust financial guru, expert, extraordinaire, Reed Davis. He will uh, be kind enough to spend some of his very valuable time with us. He will also be joined by his apprentice. Uh, I think it's Martin Palomo. Uh <laughs> martin martin pagmo I, yep i, I carry martin. the book
2: I, I carry i carry reed's bags and water buckets
1: Oh, no, that's martin's voice there okay hey martin i <laughs> glad you got back from that coffee Was starbucks crowded uh, but
2: yeah i was a chihuahua i went and got reed some tea and oh, it's great man that was a great introduction that was probably the best introduction <laughs> we've done on this show in its history
1: so Martin, back from his uh, Starbucks run, uh, hope, hope, hopefully he didn't spill any of it. I hope it's not too hot for Reed. I want it to be just right for Reed so we can talk about yeah, all things I've gotta financial. Go, I've got to go cook his lunch in just a second, too. So, yeah, so it's ten twenty-two. 22 so you probably need to get we'll, – we'll we'll make sure we wrap around by 11 so that you can have uh, his lunch <laughs> prepared and served by noon.
2: Yes, yes. And then it's foot massage later for before siesta.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, I mean – why he's that's why he's making the big bucks and you're not um uh, turn back <laughs> at, at this point
0: I would do better I would be better off just saying nothing the rest of the show
1: right <laughs> yeah you you've won <laughs> um, all right so we're going to talk about uh the stock market the the Dow Jones industrial average up over 32,000 uh, Martin on his way to uh Starbucks looked it up and he said it's headed towards 33 so we'll talk about what that means. Um, we'll talk about uh, interest rates settling a little bit, what that maybe means. And I don't know, whatever else comes up here on March the 11th, the one-year anniversary of the world shutting down. Um, oh, but, it is, dude. Where, yep. where
0: were you guys this time last year?
1: Well, I See, had – When you remembered it changing
0: oh, your life.
1: Yes, yes. I knew I, – I can tell you – Hold that thought. Let me let me do this, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll, we'll touch that because I can remember everything about it, and and looking back on it, I can remember thinking things that a year later proved to be really prophetic. Um, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900s That number, call it, ask for Corey Clark, get a quote on the Ford product you're thinking about, the Ford product you're interested in. At the very least, it is going to be a starting point for you moving forward to make sure you don't get screwed elsewhere. At the uh, very most, you're going to do what I've done and what I do not regret doing, and that's hopping into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And, uh, Martin, assuming that your hands are, are free, uh, getting after – I hope you, you've put the proper amount of sugar in uh, in his tea. And, and Reed's and reads tea. And Reed's tea, and you're free to, to tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust.
2: Yeah. I made, I made him some biscuits. It's biscuits for the boss. Scones. you know. Yes. Scones. Good. God, I love it, man. I love it. Um, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be back on and man, glad to have Reed in the studio and, and that we're all even, you know, a year after our lives changed that we can be, uh, you know, laughing and hopeful. And, and I think we'll talk about even more hope, uh, as we, as we move, uh, further into the show. But, I'll be real quick and, you know, let you know that we are, uh, you know, the things that we're doing right now for our clients, um, you know, it is, we're very, we're very active in in how we're managing um, risk in the portfolio. Um, You know, this is, this is definitely a a, a good, a good environment for us, a good opportunity for, you know, for our clients to continue to, uh, you know, to earn, earn returns in their investment portfolios. And, you know, I know a lot of people... Um you know got into cash, got on the sidelines, and uh, maybe second guessing themselves just like you said the Dow's at new highs s and p 's at new highs um, we got new highs everywhere, and sometimes that scares people and people make uh you know bad decisions and and jump on the sidelines but you know if 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 you 're second guessing yourself or or second guessing uh how your portfolio is performed somewhere else, give us a call six zero one nine five seven zero three two three uh you can email us info at p-i-n-n-trust.com. Give us a chance to uh, to look at your situation and help you do a little bit of planning uh, and figure out how you can continue to grow and uh, and take some of the risk out of the portfolio as well. And you, you can also catch us on social media, either on the Facebook page, uh, Pinnacle Trust, or Mind on My Money, and uh, and we'll respond back to you.
1: Uh, Reed, you asked me about where I was a year ago. I remember everything about it. I've told this story, so I'll be quick because I think some people who listen to our network of podcasts are probably getting tired of it. But I do remember this day a year ago vividly because of what happened the day before. I was headed to Nashville. I was going to cover the uh, SEC tournament. Ole Miss was playing Georgia in one of the first games. And um, it was the day before that, and I was heading up to Nashville. I was three-quarters of the way there. The only reason I was going is because at the SEC tournament in typical years – Locker rooms are open after the game. And so you, what you can do as a beat writer covering a team is you can go to that locker room after the team you cover loses and you can get in that locker room and you can ask questions of guys that weren't brought to the podium because usually the people that come to the podium for the big press conference are the head coach and usually one to two players, key players, and I needed to talk to the players down the roster who were thinking about leaving and stuff like that and so I got a call from Adam Kuffner, Ole Miss's basketball media relations guy. I was about three quarters of the way to Nashville, and he goes, "Hey, just found out locker rooms are going to be closed." And I came up on a stop. I stopped. I pulled into this, like, it was I think it was a Shell station, and just sat there in the parking lot for about half an hour, sort of evaluating in my head about what I wanted to do. And I was like, "I, you know, there's no reason. There's no reason to go cover this game in person." Um, something just kept telling me to go home, go home. And so I did, I got in the car, I I filled up, went in, got a bottle of water and, and drove home. And so I got home that night and, uh, the next night Ole Miss played Georgia in the SEC tournament. It was the, the early games, a doubleheader in Nashville. So Ole Miss and Georgia tipped at six. And Georgia was handling the game. And I already had my post-game column written because I, I call it an ob- obituary. At the end of a season, you just write the team's obituary. And I had it written, basically. Just needed to insert the score of that game. And I'm a big NBA guy. And specifically, we kind of cheer for the Oklahoma City Thunder. My brother used to live in Oklahoma City. We sort of have an affinity for the town and the team. And the Thunder were playing the Jazz at uh, in, in Oklahoma City and at the time, it felt like a big game because the Thunder were on a winning streak. They had just beaten Boston, and if they beat Utah, they would move up to the number four seed in the Western Conference. And so that game was supposed to tip at seven. It was still halftime of Ole Miss Georgia, and I was like, you know, I know what's happening in this Ole Miss Georgia game. I'm going to flip over to this for a while. I'll watch this. I'll flip back and forth. When the game's over, I'll, I'll whatever. I'll be ready. And I flipped over, and they had just cut to the Thunder sideline guy, and he was you know, setting the stage for tip that's about to happen in 20 seconds. And you can see the players behind him, and they're, you know, jumping up around, getting loose and getting ready to go. The game's getting ready to start. You could tell that the building had a buzz. And I saw one of the Thunder team doctors come sprinting through that huddle, headed towards midcourt. And I do remember thinking, what's he doing? That was it it felt out of place. And then the players, the starters for both teams were on the floor, the officials were on the floor, but they didn't start the game. And turns out that Rudy Gobert, one of the jazz players, had tested positive for COVID. That game got suspended. And I remember at that very moment thinking Nothing that happens in Ole Miss, Georgia tonight, nothing is going to matter. Because I knew at that moment that this tournament's not going to finish. There's no chance. It doesn't. And basketball's over. Basketball's over. And sure enough, Ole Miss and Georgia finished the game. Georgia won. They actually played the second game, which surprised me looking back on it. Arkansas beat Vanderbilt, and that was the end of the SEC season. Uh, it was the end of the season. The next day, everything canceled, and – so yeah, I remember everything about being on the phone that night on uh March the eleventh, twenty twenty, talking to people around the country that I know in journalism, in athletics, and there was a consensus of, uh oh, this is this is not going to go well. And and Martin knows this really well. My my attention you know, I work with people that that cover college baseball really heavily and, and they were really focused on college baseball. Ole Miss was off to this great start and um, you know, hopes were really high. I think the, that Ole Miss was supposed to start the SEC season that Friday against LSU here in Oxford, and, and they were focused on that. And, and Martin will tell you this. I immediately focused on the 2020 football season. I thought, you know what? If this thing goes the way that some people are talking about, there won't be a football season, I won't have a business. I mean, that's that's yeah. where my mind went right away. And Yep a year I remember that yeah and a, a year later whoo it was close and you think back to how close it was and i mean here we are a year later and there are, there are kids in this country that have missed a year of school um we've we've just now opening back to anything resembling normal the te- just talk about sports the texas rangers the major league baseball team just announced yesterday full attendance for their season opener which made me um, a Rangers fan, uh, almost instantly. I <laughs> uh, hope the Rangers win all their games and w- take home all of the trophies this year. Um, I think that, that, that,
2: that
0: doesn't happen in baseball, does
2: yeah, it? Yeah, I was
1: about to say, man. As, at least the Rangers, and, and forgive me for
2: my baseball stupidity, but the Rangers and the Cubs are not foes, correct? So They're you can not, still be Cubs fan and a Rangers fan?
1: That's right. The Rangers are in the American okay. League, and the Rangers are not a good team. So if they go 162-0, and I think that will be a sign that, you know what, there were some forces out there that were tired of covid um, yeah.
2: God said, "We're God, not doing this anymore." God
1: said, "Let the Rangers win," and that was that. That's right.
2: Um, but <laughs> let the <laughs> Rangers win. Let the I'm gonna, Rangers gonna win. Quote you on that in
1: October.
0: Just wait till they go two and zero. Oh, we're just we're just pepping this up the
1: yeah. whole first two weeks. The Rangers are going to win their first <laughs> yeah. seven games, and Reed's going to be son of a bitch. <laughs> you should have gone. the knows. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. That's I, I remember everything about it. I mean, there's no there, there's no ambiguity in my mind about when i realized this was serious, when i realized this was going to impact me, when i realized this was going to impact what i do. You know, a day later my daughter was yeah, my 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 middle child Caroline turns 18 on Friday. And so this was her 17th birthday and Campbell, who at the time was a freshman at Arkansas, had a surprise party planned for her. And Campbell was coming home for that party and when she was about an hour away, she got word that Arkansas was going virtual for the rest of the s- semester and I remember her getting out of the car and just sobbing you know and just just oh they just it was a bad it was a bad time and a, a year later life has changed I don't know about you guys I'm curious to get your thoughts on how much your life has changed in a year the, from for me it, it's been uh profound uh the way I, I view things the way I approach things the the way certain things that I don't value anymore, certain things that I value more than I ever did. I mean, this is March 11th, 2020 through March the 11th, 2021. I don't know that there's ever been a more impactful 365 days in my life.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I think there's a lot of things that for us, you know, have changed, um, you know, in, in the last year, some, some, I will be, I will be very happy if I never hear or see again. Um, And one of them being new normal. um, I don't like that word at all. I pretty much despise it. I'm ready for normal. Um, You know, but one of the things, I'll say one of the positives that has happened was, you know, a real quick adaptation, you know, for our industry um, for using technology to to meet with clients. And because, I mean, it was a pretty scary time for for clients as well. And I'll, I'll, I won't still read Stunder talking about, you know, what happened in the markets and so we'll rehash it a little bit, but we'll give
0: some stats of, well, well it's, it's really a, a pretty decent segue Martin because you know, you're talking about the changes that happened in your life, Neil, Martin's talking about the changes in our industry that had to happen pretty quick. I mean, we had to go from, you know, meeting with clients, four or five meetings a day in person to figuring out how to communicate with a thousand families um, to, instantaneously instantaneously yep. and, and to make things more complicated we not only had to figure that out it was what we would call a I mean I, I don't want to say emergency but it was definitely a I mean the market was down 37 percent over a three or four week period so yeah which is
2: which is that was yes. the biggest because every time we would call a client or you know you would get through maybe five or six client phone calls something had changed dramatically and so it's like you were starting all over again. And that was one of the benefits of having the podcasting stuff. Neil was, um, you know, Reed and I were able to jump on and just hit these quick, you know, market updates and send it to our entire client, um, you know, client list of, you know, folks that we had their emails and our clients and our prospects so that you, they were getting real time information, but I was able to, we were able to cover, you know, 1200 people instead of, you know, getting six down, getting down six phone calls and having to start all over again. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things technology did help us with, and but something Reed alluded to was, I mean, the, just the sheer speed. And I remember we one of the things we kept saying in the podcast was, "This stuff is happening at the speed of light," and uh, and that was true. I mean, the markets were down. you thirty seven percent in for four weeks. Just for perspective,
0: we uh, for the two two and a half years prior to that, to February of last year, end of February, beginning of March. I think there were less than 25 days where the market was up or down less than more than 1%. Yeah. And then in a the 3 week period it was down, down 30 37. Yeah. And there was no way to communicate with clients. I mean it was the world changed for us and we realized and and we're trying to be on the, the front edge of saying you know everybody has to change right now and if and if we're not and if we don't do it and we're not good at it it's going to be a problem.
2: Yeah, and that was one of the you know, one of the be- the bigger benefits for us, too, with the way that we manage client accounts is um, we were able to make wholesale changes for our entire clients in, you know, in, in a few pushes of buttons versus, you know, if we have a thousand clients that have a thousand different, you know, um, different strategies or different things to set up, it would have been a very manual process. And, uh, you know, and, and we did uh, some of our active management, you know, as the market was falling, we were actually... Buying stocks, which, you know, that's, and intellectually, people understand buy low, sell high. But when your account drops from a million to, you know, to 630,000, the idea of buying more stocks is, I get it. Like, that's, you don't want to look at that and go, well, yeah, now's the time to buy more stocks because I have almost half of what I had, you know, four weeks ago. But that was actually the right time to do it. And, um, you know, looking a year forward for our clients, they that was the right thing to do. And and we'll talk about some of the, we'll talk about what was good investments, and then we'll talk a little bit about like the kind of the crazy meme stuff that's happening right now with like the GameStop because it's back in the news. But um, you know, read so. Hey, so let me the S&P let me, let me down do this. 37%. Let,
1: hold on one second, Martin. Let, let's. Yeah, do, yeah. I, I am fascinated by this GameStop thing because it, <laughs> this, it makes no sense. It whatsoever. makes no sense at all. I mean, I, you know, I, I live with a 14 year old boy, so you know, we're not completely out of the GameStop deal, but but we're getting there. Um, do you guys still go to GameStop? No, but I mean, you know. But my point is, yeah. is that you know, he's, I, we don't either. That was the. Whole, I think that's
2: the point too. Neil is. I have a I have a kid that's a gamer at home too, right? And he buys all of his games on either the Sony or the Microsoft like app thingy that's native to, you know, the store that's native to the yeah, PlayStation the, the, 4 or whatever the hell yeah. game console he has. I, can, I don't even know what he has. Xbox 360 or PlayStation So 4 So let me ask this something. in a
1: real scientific uh professional journalistic way uh to, to both <laughs> both Reed and, oh, and his apprentice Are we, are we doing Martin, that? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, it goes way up to the point that that they stop it. They halt it, which <clears throat> I, I don't like the word fair. It's a dumb word. But it doesn't feel fair. Like, people have figured out how to game the system, and then the the the, the system stops the people from gaming it, and then it happens again. It, I know that I know that I'm not making a lot of sense, but my role here is to be the village idiot. But there are a lot of people that I'm guarantee you are asking the same exact same question that I just sort of asked, maybe a little more intellectually than I just did, but I don't get it. Uh,
2: no, I mean, it's funny that you say, it, cause I actually had a client this morning at eight Oh four text me. I'm going to read his text verbatim. Wish we would have went all in on GameStop three or four weeks ago. And then the, he has the eye roll, you know, uh, I kind of smiley face with the eye roll on it. But truth of the matter is, is it, you know, the old saying, if it, if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. Dude, that is pure speculation. It is, there is no fundamental backing for what, what it's done. It is purely a gamble and speculation. And we, for our clients, you know, are not a, by our agreements, written agreements with our clients are not allowed to engage in speculation or else we end up being on the hook for any of the losses that are, that come from that. And I'm just not willing to speculate with, with client's money. And I mean, so in in all reality and Reed, you can weigh in a little on this too. How does a stock go from, you know, $10, $20 a share up to almost 500 in a relatively short period of time, go down to 50 in an even shorter period of time, and then go up, back up to like 250 in a short period of time there's and on no news realistically i mean there's not been you know GameStop didn't turn into microsoft it didn't turn into sony they didn't build you know an electronic option for being able to download games online they're still blockbuster for video games at least some and i might have missed something but at least, from my understanding, they are still blockbuster of video games.
0: Well, the you know the the answer to the question is there, there is nothing that would cause a stock to change in price that much based on the fundamental news. I mean, the the theory of stock movement is based on you know future earnings potential or growth rates or management. You know, there's there's 10, 20 various factors, but none of those um, none of those happen. And really, the only way I can explain it to people that don't understand stocks at all is that the GameStop event in my opinion really was a revolution from retail investors to the institutional world. Oh yeah. yeah it mean, was it's, the, it's that, the torch and
2: pitchforks. Yeah.
0: It's uh, it was a, Hey look, you know, institutional investors, hedge fund managers that are managing, you know, billions of dollars every day, they go sit at dinner and talk about squeezing out their buddy out of a short squeeze or buying a stock up. They, they've been doing this for a hundred years um at fancy dinners on Wall Street and they've all benefited from it but we can't we, you know the retail investors everybody always says they don't know what they're doing so that's why we we make these rules to protect them and they're saying well we'll just get together and have a revolution and they did and and the SEC says well we can't let that happen
2: yeah well I mean it is there is there's some market manipulation embedded into the GameStop story no matter what, because I I went on the Wall Street Bets Reddit page just because I did get interested in, you know, how did this actually happen? And, uh, you know, you can see on the page where they'll tell you, you know, hey, guys, go in and buy and hold, buy and hold. Do not sell. We need to continue to push, you know, the price up, buy and hold. Um, you know, and, and of course, not everyone is going to going to follow what they're saying, but it is they're giving instructions to masses on on, you know, on what to do, they're not telling them price or anything like that, but they're telling them, you know, buy and hold, you know, and even I just pulled GameStop up just for grins um, for a story. (laughs) The top headline story is GameStop drops 40% in 25 minutes on in trading on Wednesday. And it's like, man, that it's just speculation. It's a speculation trade. It's being fueled. It's a very classic kind of setup of, of what the pump and dumps are, except for they're not really trying to do too much dumping. They're just trying to pump it, and pump that price up. And they're and just like what Reed said, it's they're trying to stick it to the man. To the but I don't know that the man is still out there. I think most of those hedge fund managers have exited their their short positions or covered their their short positions. So. Well,
0: and I think that's you know going back to Neil's statement as to they stop trading and when can they and how do they and and why you know that the problem is the SEC doesn't know what to do because they're in the middle of a revolution and they realize that they can't let this happen, but the, they don't have the tools in their toolbox right now to, to make that stop. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to make decisions as they go. And that's why you see total chaos. And I don't, my, my fear is not GameStop. My fear is that this happens to 100 stocks in 2021. I mean, this is, it is total manipulation. And that's not the business that uh, Wall Street or financial markets are in per se retail investors would argue that this is exactly what everybody's been doing the whole time. And guess what? We're here now too.
1: Okay. So I pulled up my trusty e-trade account, um, which it's mostly green today. A little bit of red, one, one yeah. line of red, but everything else is green. So all in all, you have GameStop. I don't, I, I got out of that. <laughs> I got out of that. It, 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 that the whole volatility of that scared me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm quite that much of a daredevil. Um, it just doesn't, what you said is, is one of those life lessons that I learned early when, my, when people would say, if it feels too good to be true and it looks too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. So Generally,
2: generally that, generally, and generally that is correct. There's I mean, a, there's a couple of exceptions, but for most, most of the time, that's generally correct.
1: There's a reason that cliches stick around because they, they yeah, ring true. Because they're true. Um, you know, and, and there's a reason that, that, that people who have common sense typically do quite well in the world. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, common sense is usually the best sense. Man, street smarts. There's a lot to be said for street smarts. But the Dow, Reed and Martin, right now is at 32,639.16 as of this particular moment, which is up uh, 340 some odd points. It moved as I was talking. It's up 1.05% today. That is a massive number. The Mm -hmm. NASDAQ is up. Uh, to 13,407 the S&P 500 is up to um, 3,955.61 what for, for yep. the, I, I know that the, the easy answer for people is well that's all good but what does that mean
0: well I think uh, so it's the, the way I look at stock markets and, and really the analogy to me is you can use a plane or a boat or a car or whatever you want to use but there are times in the stock market where you're sitting in a, in a sailboat in the middle of the reservoir and you're downwind the direction you want to go. And we call those tailwinds. We call those, you know, variables that are on your side. And, and in a lot of cases, those are things like we have strong economic growth going already. We have, um, you know, confidence in DC. We have a lot of things working for the markets that, that tend to be tailwinds. And then you have the flip of that where, everything's going against you. And so what really happened last February to April was a hurricane right on the middle of the sailboat. And it spun around and everybody's trying to make decisions. So you saw the market down 30, 40 percent over three weeks. It's now back 72 percent from the bottom. And so what you saw is you see markets kind of in chaos trying to figure out you know, which direction the boat's gonna go and how do we get the wind back? And what we've ended up with is an economy that is somewhat stabilizing from the effects of coronavirus, it's starting to see some 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 positivity building back up. Yep. You have that and then you throw in, you know, a couple trillion dollars of stimulus. Of stimulus <laughs> on top of an economy that people are starting to get some confidence in. Yep. And everybody's looking around going, Well, unless interest rates are going to ten Unless interest rates are unless we have huge inflation, everything's jumping up. Why would we can't make money in bonds? Interest rates are one percent or one and a half percent. So there's nowhere else to put your money but into risk assets, and we call that a risk on environment. And we call that an environment where your sailboat's going down, down grain in the water and down wind in the water. Everything's on your side. And so everything's yep. on your side. So so I can ride a sailboat in that environment, right? Pros try to make make money. When the wind's going every direction. And that's kind of what the last few years have been like. Now we have a pretty, you know, the the there's a path to the other side. And I think people see that and they say, you know, let's let's put the money in risk and risk on.
2: Yeah, well, you know, and another thing too is a lot of a lot of markets are 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 indicators of people's um, you know, like emotional um, confidence as well. So, you know, key like just what Reed said, I won't regurgitate it, but when people were unsure and not confident in you know in the economy or in or in markets, they pulled their money out, and the market went down. And then when people are like, okay, things are, we've turned the corner and things are going to be good, people say, okay, well, I'm willing to put you know money back into the markets. I think there's going to be long-term growth. And you have seen some, you know, some key economic news in the last several weeks that have been positive for. You know, uh, 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 stocks to continue to to move in an in an upward direction. I mean, we've seen you know the unemployment numbers um, have gone down. You know, job claim, jobless claims um, have gone down. There was a little bit of fear in the last couple of weeks, and Neil, the thing we talked about last week. You know, with that inflation was going to continue to rise, and that we were going to have you know um, you know higher interest rates, which make it harder to, you know, the cost of a house is a little bit more. The cost of businesses that are very growth-focused that need cash to continue to grow their business, and they do that through, you know, financing. The cost of doing business is more expensive. But those, you know, those kind of settled. The interest rates kind of settled in that 1.5% range. And then, you know, we it looks like we are, for all intents and purposes, at our early stage economic expansion in the cycle and you know so the cycle has that you know you go up the hill in growth and then it flattens out and then you come down and you have a a recession and then a depression and a trough at the bottom and then it goes right back up well we've come out of the bottom and we're at the very beginning of that hill climb back up which you know there are certain types of companies that do really well in those environments you know some of them being you know, banks. Well,
0: um, just cyclical sectors in general. I mean, there's a, there's three or four sectors that do really well. In yeah,
2: industrials. Um, and so, give us a couple of examples of
0: industrials. Would that be like, you
2: know, like Boeing? Um,
0: well, you, you know, know, every stock is traded on their potential for future earnings growth, and so when you have a, a time like the first quarter of last year, really the first half of last year, where there was chaos, you know, all analysts are betting that. the the likelihood of future earnings or future growth and revenues and and orders are going to be down significantly. And then when they flip back to the beginning of this year, we have all the stimulus and orders are really a lot better than they thought or bank losses are a lot less than they thought. Um, Everybody goes back to, well, these sectors are actually going to do really well well and they're beat down. So that's why you see a 70% jump in stock prices.
2: Yeah. Well, and banks have done well since November. Um, You know, especially kind of the regional banks like Renaissance, Um, the Renaissance stock has done really, really well. Regions has done really, really well, Um, you know, and and with rising interest rates or assumed rising interest rates because we've got economy is pretty healthy again. Those type of companies will generally continue to do to do well. And, and, And we're kind of setting up for this, you know, hey, we're. We've we've exited the cycle of the trough and now we're back into expansion, which should be good for stocks for, you know, a little while, at least, you know, a couple of years. Would you agree or disagree with that, Reid?
0: Yeah, I I would. I would agree on it. I wouldn't agree on it based on the story that we're going back into a um, expansionary economy. I would I would just say based on the fact that interest rates are being held anchored at the bottom by the Federal Reserve and then you're putting a couple trillion dollars in the in the markets
2: and we have a pretty healthy consumer. And as we well. have a
0: pretty healthy consumer. Yep. Um. That's a lot of tailwind. Yep. I mean, it, it's pretty hard to when you have money flowing in to beat that. that yeah. That's that's the great the great equalizer. And so, sun
2: in your face and wind at your back. Yeah,
0: sun in your face, wind at your back. And so, my, my real concern is not the, sh- the short term. You know, you have to be risk on. Uh, you, you just you just do. You have so many tailwinds. My concern is really is further down the road because did we actually get the, the trough? Did we actually go into, you know, we had an entire economic expansion, the trough recovery in
1: you know, the last
0: 12 months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, typically that's a, you know, a four or five year period. And so did the coronavirus and all of the fallout from it really cause a short-term global recession that we've then eliminated through stimulus and, and you know, pro-economy? Um,
2: yeah, I mean, but dude, if you look at depth versus speed... Then the answer could be, yeah, we experienced the depth, but just at a yeah, yeah. lightning yeah. speed yeah. versus yeah. a slower, you know, versus death by a thousand paper cuts of you know ten percent declines over three and a half years. Instead, we got a thirty-seven percent decline in one month. In one month. And then, and then, of course, the economy always drags slightly. The the markets, but um. yeah,
0: that that's my Neil. When I stop back and when I sit back and think about what's happened, um, that's my really that's really what I think about is: did we actually go through the whole cycle, or was this some flash in the pan? And we're still in the late stages of the business cycle, and we're we're going to go into you know. And I don't think anybody's going to know the answers to that until they see the effects of the stimulus, until they see the effects of, of interest rates. And so that's going to take a while to play out. And while that's playing out, you know, I think you have to be pro-risk.
2: So, dude, let's, 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 let's talk about what would happen if we are still, you know, late cycle, um, you know, and that there is another recession on the horizon. I mean, that would mean that our consumer, the U.S. consumer would have to have some, um, you know, move backwards, increase their debt, un, not able to invest or spend like they used to be able to spend. And I guess one of the positive things is if we do, which we haven't had inflation, realistically haven't had any inflation since 2009-ish? I mean, eight, certainly nine,
0: compared to historical. Historically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: relatively speaking in in history. And if we get a little bit of inflation, that and we're already seeing it at the gas pump, right? You know, you've seen oil and Neil. I mean, this is all of our listeners. Oil is back at, you know, call it 65-ish a barrel. I don't know exactly where it is. It's somewhere right in that area. We're paying... You know, depending on where you live, somewhere between 220 and 250, you know, a gallon for gas. And, Neil, I think we talked about it last time, man. That's actually good for our local economy in the south and the southeast because there are so many jobs that are energy related, whether directly or indirectly. You know, the oil patch is is huge, um, you know, in the south. And so that's even though I don't like paying you know, more for the gas in my car, I can go, Hey man, that's good for my local economy. Cause those guys who are turning wrenches and working offshore and they were making 120, 150,000 a year. But when oil went down to $30 a barrel, you know, they got let go and they're sitting at the house, you know, making.
0: Doing handyman work.
2: Doing handyman work or yeah. Doing making 35 or 40,000 a year and they're not spending. They're, they're hurting. So
0: yeah, well, you know, in, in, just going from micro to macro and just to get it all, you know, all the listeners to understand the impact The the best performing sector in the stock market this year is energy because it's cyclical and it's back. Right. Good call. Yeah. That was a a smooth little segue. Energy's up. I think think the energy sector is up 40% this year already. I mean, so, you know, there's, there's so many different things moving and, and, uh, but I, I would sum it up. I would. I would sum it up by saying, you know, don't don't get don't get lost in the head headway news. As long as stimulus has happened, and as long as interest rates are low, um,
2: stocks are the place to be.
0: Stocks historically have been the place to be.
1: Yep. Um, just not GameStop.
0: Just not GameStop.
1: <laughs> Do you worry about? <clears throat> Some of this being, and you guys kind of touched on this, some of this being somewhat artificial, though, based on the stimulus package. I mean, we can't, I, I say we can't, it, it, we've done it multiple times now in the last year under a Republican president, now a Democratic president. But it, it stands to reason that we can't keep throwing $2 trillion at the, at the economy every four or five months and going, hey, well, whatever. I mean, yeah. there, there, there does seem to be a, a, a wall that we're approaching.
0: Yeah, it feels like Martin's the I mean Martin's the analogy guy, but it feels like if you if you concocted your own Coca Cola in a cup at your house and drank it and you couldn't tell the difference, is it really Coke? I mean, the economy might do great for the next few years, whether it's artificial or not. It, it may not matter. But that's always the question, right? I mean that's always is what happens when Coca Cola says, Fine, I'll just stop producing, and everybody has to make their own supply. I mean, it what's the end outcome of all this? Yeah,
2: there'll be a day of reckoning. I mean, you gotta pay the piper at, at some point. This was not free money. Um, you know, and and it may be, you know, Neil, you you may not be ultimately the one that that ends up paying the bulk of, of the piper. It may be, you know, your kids. Um, it may be my kids that end up paying, you know, paying for it. But it was just so easy to to manufacture money when interest rates were at zero because you know you think of the debt load on the u.s government at you know at, a, at near zero interest rates or you know or 0.75 on the 10 year i mean you you kind of say hey it makes sense to to manufacture a little bit of money in a low you know in a low interest rate environment but they are going to have to keep re- refinancing um you know that debt down the road and interest rates will be higher our you know we'll pay for it a little bit our kids will pay for it or you know, taxes are going to have to go up, um, you know, to pay for that. And I know that's not necessarily a popular topic, but, um, you know, you're already kind of, there's some, and I know we're kind of bumping on time and we won't even dive into that. It's a whole other show. You know, there are uh, there are some tax policy um, issues that, that Biden has talked about that, you know, are pretty draconian and and, you know, if if some of that stuff gets through, especially with regards to how investments are taxed, you know, you might see another downturn of people um, selling off all of their stocks that have, you know, a, t- a lot of what's called embedded capital gains. So gains that you haven't taken yet so that they could get it at a lower tax rate than, you know, than if a new Biden tax rate goes in at their ordinary income tax rate. I'm 100 percent would uh, can assure you that that would happen. So then you'll have another You know, event driven market sell off. And I don't know how deep or it would be, but you know, you can expect it to happen. But hey, if that does happen, I would have some cash. If I was, you know, if I'm a listener, I'd have a little bit of cash building up so that you can take advantage of that temporary dislocation.
1: You got me scared at the word draconian. So.
2: I just wanted to see if I could slide in there. It's kind of like into touch. No, if I, I, could I know what Into it touch into this, to this, uh, into this conversation, read with me $5. Is that a lasso? Yeah, yeah.
0: totally. Totally.
2: Totally. Ted lasso. Like it's first, not out
0: of bounds. Like into the first touch. episode or second. Yeah, it is the yeah. first episode.
1: Do You watch Ted Lasso Reed?
0: Uh, only because Ted Lasso sitting across from me recommended it. <laughs> More, I don't know if you know this. But Martin actually is a real life personified Ted Lasso. He has said, I appreciate you, and slapped high fives and and done things like that. Years
1: before Ted Lasso was I mean,
0: before the idea of Ted Lasso was even dreamed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Martin is, he's almost obnoxiously positive at at times. It's, it's, you know, you want to go, hey, everything's not peaches and cream, big boy. Uh, No, No, but they are in his refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs)
2: hey dude but i'm uh, just like dude ted has relationships that melted down man and so he's a he's a flawed man too
1: i will give you this credit martin in 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 this last year where most everyone i know self-included has ridden the roller coaster emotionally you you've you've been pretty been pretty steady
2: i'm reasonably well dude (laughs) so that's my that's another one of my sayings neil and i appreciate that that compliment but uh you know when people ask me like hey man how are you i'm like man, i'm reasonably well so i try to keep my highs not so high and my lows not so low but that doesn't mean i'm without problems man because i've got i've got tons of them man i just oh uh,
1: yeah yeah well you show me someone who goes oh i have no problems and i'll show you someone who is lying i mean that that's that's or, that's or, the... or drunk really drunk. Yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah. But that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's only temporary. Yeah, you're either going to come off that or die of alcohol poisoning. I mean, there's 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 a. Um, you touched on interest rates. I know y'all you know, we've talked about it a little bit as we close. Um, it looks like interest rates are kind of steadied a little bit. The real estate yeah. market still kind of. The real estate market's still really robust.
2: It is, man. I mean, and the only thing that I can say, you know if you're in a house, you're going to stay in long-term too, man. It's like, not that you have to go today and refinance, but if you know you, if you have a higher interest rate, um, then, then, then the current levels, I mean, certainly think about doing a refinance if you're going to be there long term, man. And I think, you know, for people that are buying new houses, man, it's just, I think it's a really tough decision right now with, um, because, you know, prices of houses are just so high nationwide and you know and that and that some of that is because the demand there's a, there's a there's not enough supply on the market of houses to meet the demand so you know so the price of housing is has been going up and up and up and at some point that trend is going to reverse and you know I really the people who are out looking for new houses right now it's man if it's a I'm, and I'm not trying to give how, advises on, advice on buying a house, but, man, if it's a short-term deal and you know you're not going to be there a long time, I almost would never tell someone to rent instead of buy, but that might be a, a consideration that people have just to let the thing shake out because, man, what would suck is someone pay at the top right now and then move in, you know, five years and, and like we said on the last show, Neil kind of be, like, upside down, like in a car or underwater where you go to sell it and you got to bring money to the table to... To, um, you know, to sell and see 2008. I'm the same for me. I mean, we bought a house in 2007 and I had to hang on to it. I couldn't sell it. Yeah, yeah. I had we, to rent it out and I hated being a landlord. I suck at being a landlord. My, right. my first job,
0: I went, I went to William & Mary up in Virginia. I graduated. My first job out was in Memphis. We bought a house in late 2008 and three years later, it was worth $60,000 less than it. You know, I mean, that's that we've we've been through this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it happened to me too, man. I mean, fortunately, um you know, I was able to at least rent it out and and I didn't get in rent what I had to pay in my mortgage note either, but it at least I, Yeah, I mean yeah. it's but at least I wasn't paying the entire note. And uh, and I sucked at being I, that's where I also realized that I never wanted to be a a landlord cuz I suck I hate I hate being a landlord. Anyway, sorry Neil,
1: we just totally went down a no, you're all good. Trip, but... You're all good. Um, well, Martin, it's it's after eleven. Uh, yeah. That, that lunch is not going to make itself, and uh, Reed, <laughs> Reed is going to want to eat at noon. So we we yeah. probably need to start wrapping this thing. He, up. he needs to
0: get on it <laughs> for
1: sure. <laughs> I mean, those those fresh greens aren't going to pick themselves, Martin. You're you're going to have to no. go handle that.
2: I'm going to go make them. I'm going to go make them some uh, some chicken and dumplings.
1: All right, uh, Reed, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it today.
0: Yeah, always good catching up, Neil. Thanks, and, uh
1: Yeah, thanks for being with us. Uh, Martin, Thanks. <laughs> thank you for your time. We'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. Uh, it's pentrust.com, P I N N trust.com. Uh, get in touch with them. Tell Reed, tell Martin, tell uh, all the people there at Pinnacle Trust that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on this podcast or on any of the ne- MPW digital network of podcasts. You get 10%. Off your first year's fees. Till next time, have a great weekend. Take care.